Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Leticia Niago, the 2022 president-elect for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing a learning transfer expert and the host of Learning Transfer Radio, Fergal Connolly. Welcome, Fergal. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Before we jump into our topic of managing learning transfer, would you mind please sharing with us a little bit about yourself? Certainly, I'd be happy to. So I'm a, I'm a learning consultant. I've been in the area of L&D for over 10 years now. I've had a, quite a few different roles, across a variety of different um, areas of, 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 of areas of passion for me. I've, I've held roles in training facilitation in learning design as well as learning consultancy. I am educational background. I have a master's in education as well as a, a bachelor's degree in psychology. It's funny, it was actually my bachelor's degree that actually led me to, um, to L&D. I'm one of those accidental L&D people. I kind of stumbled into this area. Um, I completed my, my bachelor's degree. And I needed to get myself some money together to, to go and do some further study. Um, so I, I got a, a new job. And as I was onboarding into this new job, I realized that the person who was onboarding me and facilitating my training was using all these amazing psycho, psycholo, educational psychological theories that I'd just been learning about. It was like, this is fantastic. I actually get to, to use what I just learned about. So that was be- the beginning of my journey into L&D. And from there, I... I Took on roles in facilitation, learning design, and and I think it was also the beginning of my my passion for learning transfer. I really want to use what I learn as much as I possibly can. I am I'm passionate about this topic. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the host of Learning Transfer Radio. It's the only podcast out there that's fully focused on turning learning into improved performance. I also write a lot of articles on this topic speak at different events, and all really to spread awareness of learning transfer, because unfortunately, it's not a super popular topic. So I'm excited to be here today to to chat about this topic with you. Yes, we are so glad to have you on. And we absolutely relate in the talent development community. Very interesting background. Fergal, for those who may be unclear, what exactly is learning transfer? And is it the same concept as knowledge transfer? Great question. And a good, great one to start off with. Um, some people may know what learning transfer is, others may not. To give you the academic definition, learning transfer is the degree to which a trainee takes what's learned in a training intervention and applies that learning in an on-the-job setting. So in simple terms, it's applying what you learned or it's, it's turning learning into action. So my definition of knowledge transfer would be I'm helping to increase your knowledge about learning transfer right now. That's knowledge transfer, but you may not go and use that. So that would be the the distinction between learning transfer and knowledge transfer for me. 
Thank you for providing this clarity. I think it's going to hit home for a lot of people. Now, this is important to our community. What factors tend to contribute positively to learning transfer? I don't think we've got enough time to talk about <laughs> all the factors that, uh, that influence learning transfer. Um, there's been over 100 years of research into this area. It's one of the oldest topics in, in human resources uh, research. And over, I think over 100 different factors have been identified as being really, really influential for, for learning transfer. And over the years, the researchers kind of, they, 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 they kind of compared the power of different elements and they kind of removed the ones that were less powerful and the ones that were less useful to practitioners. So such as intelligence and, and, and how much, uh, how well rested the learners are, you know, that's not too useful to us. And they've really kind of boiled down the research to focus on, on three key areas. Um, so those, those areas, you can broadly divide the research of the positive factors into, um, into topics relating to the learner to the learning design and to the learner's ecosystem. So that's all the people, uh, their peers, the manager, uh, everything that really surrounds the learner. Great. Now, transitioning a little bit, can you share with us the role managers play in learning transfer? And do you happen to know if, in this case, there is any academic research on managers' involvement in learning transfer? Yes, definitely. Super question. So let's take it back a, a little bit and talk about what we want um, as, as L&D people. What we want is people to change their behaviors. We want to design programs that lead to behavior change. That's, that's everything. That's, it's learning transfer in a nutshell, but it's what everyone should be focusing on. If you've got a role in L&D, you should be focusing on learning transfer. And we've been approaching this behavior change in kind of... I say we've been kind of doing it in, in, in the wrong way. We've been creating a lot of content. We've been making sure that people have the right content at the right time. Um, and, and really, and, and instead of supporting the behaviors that the business really wants to see. So to give you an example, we've been trying to teach people how to ride a bike by showing them a picture of a bike and then describing how to ride a bike. You know, it, it's not going to work. The person might learn about bike riding they might be able to identify the different parts of a bike and and learning is good learning is step one learning is 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 on the on the road to behavior change and but really it is what we want is behavior change so we want participants to be able to turn what they've learned into something new in the workplace so in the training event we're the we're the masters we've got the most power we we know all the different techniques and we can kind of influence the directions of the discussion in the training event. But what we want is people to change outside of this, of this training event. And where, where the change happens is in, in the work environment. And the masters of the work environment, the people with the most power in the work environment are the managers. They're the people who hold the most sway, the most influence, and it's kind of what they say goes. So in the work environment, there are multiple different factors. Uh, multiple different different influences, and for us to think, you know, from an L and perspective, that a single training, uh, be it an e learning, a workshop, or an instructor led training, a single training alone can change one's behavior. It's you know, it's just it's just a fallacy that we need to just get rid of as soon as possible. But like I mentioned, so the research in this area is quite positive. You know, the, it, the research really points to 
lot of different areas and the manager would be the, the most influential aspect um, within that learner's ecosystem. And there's, there's good reason for this because managers really serve a variety of different roles and all to support the employee's growth. So at times they need to be a guide, they need to be a mentor, a sounding board, counsel, and many other different roles. So really, if we were to ignore the manager's help in employee development, it's, it's a one-way street to training failure. So like I said, the, uh, the training environment is where learning happens, but the work environment is where the learning transfer happens, where the behavior change happens. And that's what we need to be focusing on uh, a lot more going forward. Well, I feel like we, we need to be focusing on a lot more going forward. To kind of give you a quick scenario, just to kind of get your, your head around it, what does this manager support look like? So picture in your mind, your manager is sending you to a training course. And before you attend, she says, I, I wish I didn't have to send you to this training, but the higher ups need someone to attend. So can you go and just sit through it, keep them happy and be back here as quick as you possibly can? How much effort are you going to put into paying attention or, during that training? You're not going to learn a thing. You, you've, you've turned off your, your, your kind of your, you've turned off any kind of any, any motivation or energy that you have, or your manager has turned that off for you because they've signaled that this isn't important to them. And it shouldn't be important to you. But let's flip that scenario around and let's let's think about an example of where your manager sends you on a training course. And before you go, she says, I'm excited to hear about this course. When you return, let's sit down together. You can tell me about it. And then we'll work on a plan and maybe find some situations where you can you can use what you learned. So it's a simple change of phrase, but the research says. And common sense says that you'd be much, much more motivated to attend and to learn and to transfer learning in the scenario where your manager wants to see you develop, is supportive of you develop and signals that through simple messaging, simple conversations um, in the corridors about, you know, what are you learning about? What, what can we use from what you're learning? Wow, these are great examples that you provided us. And I'm so glad you've explained this so well. It's very practical. Thank you for that. Now, you know that in many organizations, the learning department's main role is upskilling the workforce. As you mentioned before, businesses spend a lot of money, time, and resources each year on various training initiatives, but oftentimes, they see very little return on their investments. In your opinion, what are common mistakes in managing learning transfer we tend to see in workplaces? And if learning transfer is the goal of all training, why does it appear to be so rare? You are absolutely right. Businesses spend billions upon billions on L&D initiatives every single year. Um, I've got a figure from, from 2018, unfortunately I'll have a more, more recent figure, but I think there was $366 billion spent on L and D initiatives, L and D tech, L and D conferences, everything to do with L and D in 2018. Um, that's a massive, massive amount of money. And when you think that learning transfer is so rare, so there's, there's research to suggest that only 10 to 30% of all learning interventions actually lead to learning transfer. You know, we're not 
doing amazingly well at that kind of return on investment. If you think about the, the financial side of things, that's a massive waste of money. There's 366 billion was spent in 2018 and only 10 to 30% of that was, was spent effectively. That's, that's only a small portion of our efforts are really leading to learning transfer, which means that L&D is unfortunately a massive drain on companies' resources. Whisper it. A massive drain on co- <laughs> companies' resources. So number one, we take people away from our jobs, from, from their jobs. And two, when we when the employees return to their roles, they're actually unlikely to be more effective at their jobs as a result of the training because learning transfer didn't happen. So you asked me what are some of the, the common mistakes? And I touched on one there. I think we've been focusing way too much on content. We, we we're really proud of the amount of time that we spend on creating content. You know, there's a lot of numbers out there. Um, the e-learning, it takes 40 hours of e-learning time to, to create one hour of training uh, or of e-learning training. And, you know, we seem to, we kind of bring these numbers around with us and we kind of, we show them to each other and say, how, long, how much are you spending on creating your training? And how long are you spending on creating your training? Kind of compare ourselves to, to, to our, to uh, kind of compare ourselves, to kind of make ourselves feel a bit better about how much time we're spending on this and how much we feel like we're helping. But the reality is, if you're spending 40 hours creating e-learning, it's unlikely uh, to have been time well spent because very, very few of those people who used or accessed that e-learning will have changed their behavior as a result of it. So I feel like we've spent way too much of our efforts focusing on creating content and not enough time on focusing on behavior. And like I said, the research is pointing to three main areas. You focus on the learner, focus on the learning design. Yes, we've been doing great at that, but also look at the ecosystem as well. So what's the, the culture? At, what's the culture like in your workplace? Do you understand the culture? What's the kind of the, the unwritten rules? You know, what's the kind of, what are there little cliques? Are there little, is there, is there kind of like an in-group, an out-group? Because this is what really makes learning happen. This is what makes, you know, this is how the work gets done in a, in a company. It's all these little kind of in-groups, out-groups, you know, these kind of little, uh, these little gangs that kind of, uh, that kind of band together and get stuff done. So there's so, so many influences on behavior. Um, and really we've been focusing on a small, small minority by focusing so much on learning design and we've left so many of those influences to chance so you haven't focused enough on the learner enough on the learner's motivation on their self-efficacy on 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 making them feel accountable for turning something into action we've kind of ignored the learner's ecosystem completely uh the, the learner's ecosystem is bursting with with hints and behavioral cues and influences that really shape how they interact in that environment. Um, I'm not, I don't mean like the physical space, but like the culture and the social norms of the learning of the learner's work environment. You know, the tools that they use, the communication norms, the teamwork and style, all that sort of stuff. And there's a really is a tremendous body of knowledge on this topic that suggests that the most important aspect of, of relating to learning transfer is really found in the ecosystem. So we talked about the manager, but also the, the learner's peers as well. Have you got a supportive peer group? Are, are your peers um, asking you questions about training? Do they support you when you're trying things out for the first time? Do they support you through through making mistakes and trying things out again? Um, there, there's so much 
evidence to say that, you know, it's not so much on the learning content side of things that's helping people to, to learn and to change through, through learning. It's really on the, the people side of things. And that's, I believe, the, the number one mistake that we've made at LD is just focusing way too much on content and not a much, as much as we need to on the learning transfer side of things. This is very helpful. Now, can you share with our listeners some practical tips on how to align management with L&D initiatives and maybe how to collaborate with managers before training begins, during, and after to ensure learning is transferred effectively? Certainly. So I think the first thing you need to do is make the managers aware of just how powerful they are. So I gave like a brief introduction to this topic and and like the, and the power that they hold. Um, if you can give them like a kind of a, a a kind of compare and contrast kind of situation where if they just have learning, this will be the effect. But if they have learning and support of the manager, this will be the effect. Um, I'm I'm not sure that managers know how much influence and sway that they have over the over the things that an employee would do every day. So my number one. A tip to do would be to get managers in a room and just explain that they are massively influential when it comes to learning transfer. Next thing I would do is I would involve them as much as you possibly can. I know I know managers are going to be they're pretty uh, strapped for time most of the time, but if you can involve a manager in the training, that is the absolute ideal. If they know what's going on in the training, they can then support that learner and they've got a good understanding of learning transfer. They can support the learner to then use what they learn after that training. That would be the ideal situation. But obviously, you know, with the time pressures and that kind of thing, if they could even attend a shortened version. So there's some really interesting um, research done by, by Sukai and Budworth. Um, the exact year, maybe 2014, I'll get the exact year for you. But they sent managers on a, a 90 minute course. And they sent the, the employees of those managers on a, on a four hour training. This was like the, f- the full training. And the, the 90 minute course for managers was centered around giving them a sense of what the employees were going to be learning about. But more importantly, they, they, the training for managers was focused on how to ask questions, how to help your employees to reflect uh, on what they're learning, how to kind of prompt them to think about what they might do with their learning, helping them to identify situations where they can apply their learning. And really just, you know, some good coaching uh, best practices. And they they saw massive increases in learning transfer just by sending the the managers to to this course and not the employees. The employees obviously they learned what they could, but having a supportive manager was was a real game changer in that situation. So Simply discussing learning and training participation with your employees can have a dramatic effect on the level of effort that they put into self-development. If you've ever, if you've ever heard the term, what, what gets measured gets managed, it really applies here. If you're a manager and just by letting your employee know that you're interested, just by letting them know that you're going to wait and see what, what, what's going to happen after this learning, it's going to cause that employee to put a much bigger emphasis on learning and doing something um, with with what they learn. Uh, some other tips. So when a, when a learner leaves the, the learning environment and they go back to the work environment, 
the work environment is full of obstacles and constraints that really do interfere with learning transfer. And the research really shows this as well. It's it's the work environment is where the, the learning transfer chain really breaks down. So the employees are sorry, the managers have a massive say over what happens in the in the post-training work environment. So if a, you have a supportive manager, they could perhaps reduce the workload of employees because if they don't reduce the workload, you know, learning transfer just can't happen. They won't have the time to practice. They won't have the energy to practice at the end of the day. And if they, if they were able to reduce the workload, uh, the employees would have more time to reflect on what they learned and also to practice and to apply their skills. And the last tip um, I would say is after a training, if a manager and an employee were to meet and to set some post-training goals, to really, that really, really improves the, uh, the employee's follow-through on learning. So if a manager was to sit down with an employee before a training and let them know that after that they want to create an implementation plan together, that's going to cause a radical shift in the engagement of that employee and also in the engagement in any further development opportunities because they know that their manager is watching, but their manager is supportive. You know, it's not just something that they just want to tick off. It's their manager actually wants to support you to grow. Wow, these are really great reminders of how managers influence learners' engagement. Thank you for that. Now, what other tools or methods or best practices can our listeners use to maximize learning transfer in their workplaces? Sure. Do you have anything left? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, the number one tool I would recommend, if you want to get a better understanding of learning transfer in your workplace, is to use a survey called the Learning Transfer System Inventory. It's a survey that measures um, an employee's perception of their of uh, of the, their own skills relating to learning, of the learning design that they that they that they consume, and of their learning ecosystem as well. It gives a really really good snapshot of of where that employee uh, perceives the strengths. Of, of their workforce, of their ecosystem, but also lets you know the weaknesses as well. So if you're able to roll out the learning transfer system inventory in your company, it's going to show you where your strengths and weaknesses are, which is which is incredible, incredible information to have because you you it could basically tell you that you should not roll out a training because you do not have manager support. And we know that manager support is the most important factor to have. Um, or else it'll help you to kind of, you know, set expectations and say, like, we can only expect so much learning transfer from this because we know that the LTSI is telling us that managers are less than supportive. So we can roll this out and we'll only get X amount of learning transfer. But we also know that if we were to focus our development opportunities on helping the managers to support uh, their, their employees, we could increase that learning transfer. Because that's that's the biggest um, the biggest barrier to learning transfer that we have in our workplace. But obviously, that's going to change from team to team. You know, different managers have different influences. Different peer groups have different influences. So, but it's a really really powerful tool, um, and one that I definitely recommend that people check out if you have time. Well, guess what, Fergal? It is that time again. We do the rapid fire style questions. Each question requires less than sixty seconds to respond. 
Are you ready for some rapid fire? Just got to do some stretches. Hold <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Okay. Take a deep breath. Here we go. No. <laughs> okay. Give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. One book that really, really spoke to me was The Six Ds of Breakthrough Learning mm. by, by Roy Pollock and Andy Jefferson. It is a fantastic, it's really, really well written. It's very, very inspiring. And it really, ha- it really, uh, really maps out the key elements of effective training. It's full of applicable takeaways. It's full of like checklists and it's full of like rate your own, um, rate your own approaches and kind of compare them to best practices. It's full of uh, case studies of real life examples. It's, it's a fantastic book and it's one that I recommend to, to everyone. It really takes you through that end-to-end process of what designing effective training really looks like. Awesome. Okay, give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. Sure. So I like to create designs. I'm a very creative person. So a tool I found maybe about a year ago, so maybe not that recent, was a tool called RenderForest. If you haven't heard of it. I haven't. It's, it's It's a video creation tool and it's set up with hundreds of different ready-made templates and you just kind of plug in your your text basically so if you've got an employee logo if you're announcing something or if you're kind of explaining a new product that's launching in your company or something like that it creates really really high quality videos Mm -hmm. and it's it's like zero development time compared to like after effects or something like that but it creates videos on that after effects uh, premiere pro level it's, it's that good but it has like zero development zero design um input required i love videos i'm definitely going to give that one a try okay what is the best piece of talent development related advice you've ever been given i think the best piece of advice it was given to me by my first manager in lnd and not in so many words but she said basically I can make a difference. So Mm. let me know that this, we're in a great area. Like like people need help. Everything isn't as easy as we we often hope it is. And people in L&D are an an amazing support within within different companies. So she kind of just let me know that you can make a difference. And I've kind of taken that and I've, and I've taken it on really because it kind of drives a lot of my, my research into, into learning transfer it's it's why I'm here speaking to you because, you know, I can help someone. Maybe someone doesn't know about a certain topic and I can help. Maybe I'm, I'm turning on the light bulb for someone right now. Who knows? Um, but it's just like a little a little piece of advice that I got that kind of keeps me going. I love day. it. And you are certainly making a difference. Okay, <laughs> next one. Uh, a, a good difference. <laughs> 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 What's one thing you're excited about that's coming up in the next year or so? Uh, speaking at in-person events. Yes. I was, <laughs> I was due to speak at DevLearn this year, um, but I didn't get to attend for reasons that were out of my control. I was also due to speak at Learning Dev Camp as well, which unfortunately had to be rescheduled. So I'm excited about the possibility of connecting with the L&D community face-to-face once more. Oh, absolutely. Okay, last one. What is the one thing within our industry that you are deeply grateful for right now? I, I, 
For me, I think LinkedIn and LinkedIn is my bridge to the incredible people in the L&D community. Um, I can't tell you how much I've learned from so, so many really, really smart people all over the globe just because I connected with them, said, hello, can I learn from you kind of thing? And, and you know, the L&D com- uh, community are just the most amazing, nicest, most kindest most generous people out there oh, you know yeah. we're we're a, we're a, we're a group of sharers and we only want to help um and i think it's just linkedin has been my my bridge and my kind of um how i've how i've joined and hopefully helped other people in my in my uh connection group but yeah definitely linkedin is a big one for me it's how i keep connected with a lot of people and where i also learn a huge amount as well awesome thank you Fergal, we are so happy you joined us today to share your knowledge and practical tips with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, feel free to reach out again. Check me out on LinkedIn or my website. Happy to uh, to connect with uh, more great people in the L&D community. Absolutely. And thank you to my co-host as well. Oh, this has been a pleasure. Many thanks to our community for listening. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Alina Hodges. Volunteering with Metro DCATD will change your life. Are you ready to join our team? Go to dcatd.org forward slash volunteering and complete volunteer interest form. Check out dcatd.org for upcoming chapter events, learning programs, member benefits, and so much more.